Laudator Jesus Christus, Vatican and World News. This Thursday, February the 22nd, the UK Parliament passes a motion calling for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza. 23 miners die in Venezuela after a gold mine collapses, and Pope Francis announces the theme for the next World Day of Migrants and Refugees. In the Vatican, I'm Francesca Merlo. In a vote in the UK Parliament on Wednesday evening, the Labour Party motion calling for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza was passed. Reacting to the vote, CAFOD and partner aid agencies who have been pushing for a ceasefire expressed satisfaction for the motion and released a statement that says... At a time when tens of thousands of children have already been killed, we need our political leaders to step up and show real leadership and support a lasting peace. Speaking to Vatican Radio, Elizabeth Funnell, CAFOD's representative for the Middle East, explained why a ceasefire is necessary and urgent from a series of perspectives. So I'm sure that listeners will have seen that there were quite chaotic scenes yesterday in Parliament and, and there's been lots of questions and discussion about, about procedural issues. And whilst it's disappointing to see, you know, kind of these kind of issues coming up when the people of Gaza are facing such catastrophic conditions, we are pleased to see that political leaders are beginning to talk in clearer terms about the need for a ceasefire. And this is what capital has been calling for all along, is, is an immediate and permanent ceasefire. And we see that as the only way to, to free hostages, to get aid in to the people who really desperately need it and, and to prevent more civilian death. So we welcome this as a first step and what we hope for and what we'll continue asking for is that the UK government uses all the leverage that it can to ensure that a full and permanent ceasefire is reached and that the hostages are released and that more aid can get in uh, very quickly. Perhaps many people aren't aware that, for example, when there was a raid on the 12th of February in Gaza, which resulted in the release of two Israeli hostages, about 70 Palestinian civilians were killed. So it seems like a ceasefire is actually the only way to put something like that into place without so-called collateral damage. Yes, you know, I'd absolutely agree. And then your listeners might be aware that in the south of Gaza, where that, that raid took place, there's now more than 1.3 million people sheltering in, in a very small area. It's probably one of the most densely populated places on Earth. And, you know, following instructions from the Israeli military, people from the north of Gaza moved south. And many of these people, I know they've been displaced many times. They're sheltering in, you know, makeshift shelters or, or in tents. It's cold, it's raining, people don't have anywhere to go. And because of how densely populated that area is, any ground invasion of that area by military forces or continued airstrikes will be absolutely catastrophic. And as you said, close to 30,000 people have already been killed. Tens of thousands have been injured. And the majority of those people who've been killed are sadly women and children. That was Elizabeth Funnell, CAFOD's representative for the Middle East. And in recent updates in the area, Israeli bombs on Rafah flattened a mosque and destroyed homes in what residents called one of their worst nights yet, while the Hamas chief was in Cairo for talks Gazans hope could bring a truce in time to head off a full-blown assault on the city. Uh, mourners wept over at least seven corpses in body bags at the Egyptian border, where over half of the Palestinian enclave's 2.3 million people are now huddling, mostly in tents. 
In other news, as wars worldwide go unabated, several faith leaders have gathered and declared their shared commitment to peace at the second roundtable discussion entitled Beyond War and Toward Reconciliation Multi-Religious Peace Roundtables, taking place in Tokyo. The event, organized by Religions for Peace International and Religions for Peace Japan, in partnership with the United Nations Alliance on Civilizations, will take place from the 19th to the 21st of February. The entities brought together diverse religious and faith leaders representing five religions from 15 conflict countries to share wisdom and to explore short and long-term processes and initiatives to advance peace and reconciliation. Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. Amid the wars crippling the world, Religions for Peace International and Religions for Peace Japan, in partnership with the United Nations Alliance of Civilizations, held their latest multi-religious peace effort. The highlight of the second Tokyo Peace Roundtable was the faith leaders' issuance of the Beyond War and Towards Reconciliation Multi-Religious Peace Roundtable Statement, in which the faith leaders made concrete commitments to continue to pray and work multi-religiously towards a culture of peace that advances shared well-being grounded in respect for the sanctity of life and human dignity. In the statement, they expressed their deep concern for the unimaginable suffering that people are undergoing in conflict zones throughout the world, including in Haiti, the Middle East, Myanmar, and Ukraine. We recognize that the foundations of peace and security are threatened in every region of the world, they decried, while adding that the most vulnerable, women, children, and the marginalized, are caught in the crossfire and disproportionately suffering from rights violations. The leaders vehemently denounce war and violence. Specifically, the faith leaders laid out a series of collective actions, which include working together to address severe violence, displacement, and other human rights violations, to provide humanitarian assistance, to promote sustained engagement, and long-term processes for healing and reconciliation to avoid the recurrence and perpetuation of war and violence. I'm Deborah Kastelana-Lubov. 23 miners are confirmed dead, but dozens more could have perished in an open-pit gold mine which collapsed in the jungles of central Venezuela. James Blaise reports. The tragedy happened on Tuesday, but due to the remoteness of the area close to the town of Angostura in the state of Bolivar, the full implications are still unfolding and developing. A video showed a huge wall of earth slowly crumbling, collapsing and imploding on workers who were toiling in shallow channels of water. Local authorities estimate 200 people were at work on the site when the massive collapse happened. State Governor Angel Marcano initially confirmed 14 bodies had been recovered, but Angostura's mayor, Yogi Arseniega, says 30 coffins are being prepared. Local people say dozens more could be trapped below tons of cloying mud. Relatives gathered in the nearest settlement of Puagua, pleading for planes and helicopters to be sent in. The area's usually only reached by boat. An investigation is already underway. The open pit mine was being illegally operated when this happened. This sort of mining provides lucrative wages, but the risks are perilous. The consequences of them are all too starkly evident. For Vatican Radio, James Blair's reporting. Following the arrest of Bishop Emeritus Christopher Saunders, the president of the Australian Bishop Conference has described the ongoing investigation as right and proper and indeed necessary. 
Christopher Wells reports. Bishop Christopher Saunders, the former ordinary of Broome in Western Australia, was arrested on Wednesday. He was reportedly released on bail on Thursday and ordered to reside at his home until his next hearing in June. The bishop is charged with two counts of rape, 14 counts of unlawful and indecent assault, and three counts of indecently dealing with a child as a person in authority. In a statement, Archbishop Timothy Costello, the president of the Australian Catholic Bishops' Conference, said the allegations were very serious and deeply distressing, especially for those making those allegations. It is right and proper, he continued, and indeed necessary, that all such allegations be thoroughly investigated. Accusations were first made against Bishop Emeritus Broome in 2020. An initial police investigation was closed without charge, but Pope Francis then ordered a canonical investigation, according to the provisions of Vos Estis Lux Mundi, his 2019 motu proprio on combating sexual abuse. The investigation was overseen by Archbishop Mark Coleridge of Brisbane, but was carried out by independent investigators and terminated in a 200-page report. After this report was handed over to Australian police, they opened a new investigation into Bishop Emeritus Saunders. It is as part of this investigation that he has now been charged. The bishop resigned from his post in 2020. I'm Christopher Wells. The four papal basilicas in Rome and the Dicastery of Communication today launched a new mini-website ahead of the 2025 Jubilee. The mini-site seeks to serve as a spiritual and artistic guide to the basilicas and to help the faithful turn from tourist to pilgrim. Devin Watkins has more. As the Church continues through the year of prayer toward the 2025 Jubilee, the Vatican Dicastery for Communication has launched a mini-site dedicated to the four papal basilicas in Rome. From Tourist to Pilgrim seeks to introduce the Basilicas of St. Peter, St. John Lateran, St. Paul Outside the Walls, and St. Mary Major to younger audiences through content geared to their tastes. According to a press release issued on Thursday, the website leans heavily on the medium of voice to convey the beauty and history of these sacred spaces and the artistic masterpieces that fill them. Professionals engaged in art curation and excavation and restoration projects, along with the religious men and women who minister to pilgrims every day, tell the stories of the papal basilicas in their own words. Through the warmth and enthusiasm of their voices, reads the communique, they act as witnesses and share their love for everything the four papal basilicas represent. The mini-side draws on the symbol of the table, populated by the saints and artists whose lives and art have shaped the basilicas. The table offers a space where not only food, but glances, stories, and experiences are shared, thus inviting the visitor to pause for a moment and dedicate some time to a brief moment of reflection. The initiative From Tourist to Pilgrim also takes the form of a podcast that accompanies pilgrims along their journey, whether in person or online, through the history of the basilicas, offering special insights into their most significant aspects. The podcast series launches on February 27th with a new episode released each Tuesday. What may only seem like a city square to a tourist becomes a step, a journey, a divine symbol if viewed through the eyes of a pilgrim, reads the communique. These brief visits are designed to highlight the hidden beauty of Rome, revealed through the lens of pilgrimage. I'm Devin Watkins. 
And finally, since 1914, the World Day of Migrants and Refugees has offered Catholics an opportunity to remember and pray for those displaced by conflict, persecution and economic difficulties. Earlier today, the Vatican unveiled the theme for this year's World Day, as Joseph Tullock reports. The Vatican's Dicastery for Promoting Integral Human Development has announced the theme for the 110th World Day of Migrants and Refugees. The theme for this year's World Day, which will be celebrated on Sunday the 29th of September of this year, will be God Walks with His People. Ahead of that date, Pope Francis is expected to release a message. In a press release, the Dicastery said that the message would address, quote, the itinerant dimension of the Church, with a particular focus on our migrant brothers and sisters who represent a contemporary icon of the journeying church. This is a path to be undertaken in a synodal way, the statement continues, overcoming all threats and obstacles in order to reach our true homeland together. During this journey, wherever people find themselves, it is essential to recognise the presence of God who walks with his people, assuring them of his guidance and protection at every step. Yet, it is equally essential to recognise the presence of the Lord, Emmanuel, God with us, in every migrant who knocks at the door of our hearts and offers us an opportunity for encounter. The World Day of Migrants and Refugees is observed every year on the last Sunday of September. First celebrated in 1914, it's an occasion for Catholics worldwide to remember and pray for those displaced by conflict, persecution and economic difficulties. To mark the event, the Dicastery for Promoting Integral Human Development will carry out a communications campaign aimed at providing a deeper understanding of this year's theme through videos, informational material and theological reflections. I'm Joseph Tullock. And that brings us to the end of this edition of Vatican and World News. For more on these and other stories, please visit our website at vaticannews.ba. And you can also catch the latest updates on our Facebook, X and Instagram pages. Many thanks go to Gabriele Di Domenico in studio. In the Vatican, I'm Francesca Merlo.